about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And pick it up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No frills, no gimmicks. Just ball. Benny Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, guys, we're coming off another solid SEC win at home in Neville Arena, 69 to 63 over the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a six point win. Uh, you know, it started really strong. I think we had some struggles down the stretch, but any win in the SEC is a good solid win for us at this point. Like, put you, I, I think we should all keep our mindset in that away Georgia loss and be happy and glad that we came in here and scored a hilarious number 69 against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Matt, War Eagle. War Eagle, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're, we'll get into a lot of the game. It was, it was ugly. It was as rock fighty as rock fights can get uh, at times, but I think that's what we should have expected with these two teams, and we'll get into why. Um, there were some really good moments and the Neville arena vibe in multiple ways continues to really carry this team, you know, really well. So four and one in the league, um, you know, uh, we'll talk about what happened around the league, but Alabama and A&M, I believe are undefeated, but we're, we're right there. So the, our whole goal, right. is just stack wins where you can stay in the hunt. And hopefully we are, I think we are getting better. It just, you know, we have some flaws and we know what they are. So it's okay. It's it's a victory and it's Saturday night. So I had to bring out the Goslings here. And I got a special one, the old rum from Goslings. It's, it's one of their their better ones. They're, they're all really good, but this is one of their more old aged rare ones. Here we go to the victory for our unofficial Gosling sponsor. One day we'll get some officialness, but for now we're just enjoying it. Um, great win, man. Like there will again we'll talk about a lot of other stuff but hit some shots hit some threes um dealt with a lot of weird stuff in this game uh and and kind of had to battle through it it's very frustrating you and I have talked that the frustration for me I think you guys in our group text were just it's just sloppy we turned it over just an absurd amount the calls were weird but it just we had a couple crucial mistakes that just kept extending out the inevitable win like we could have made it so much easier on ourselves and just... we, we we usually start with mvp but i think it'd be really funny to start real quick with weirdest stat for you there was a couple of weird things that happened in this game did you like stick out with you i mean for me the no free throws for either team in the first half was super weird and, and then how many in the second half do you know by both teams Over... i know they i know they made a ton I, but then i looked up and they had made like 17 free throws or something. i was like how did we end up getting here after a no free throw first Look, half i called it i i said at halftime uh, if i know college basketball there's going to be a ton of fouls over 40 free throws in the second half total. Some of that's the foul game at the end, but uh, uh, it's just silly. I mean, they made they made 21 after having zero in the first half. Us with 10 out of 13 seems kind of like, okay, you had a, a light first half, a little more in the second half. 21 in the second half after having zero in the first half is just, that's, you would just give me that number. And I'd be that, yeah, that's just a normal game, you know? Well, how's this for a stat? Um, Mississippi State, if you take out all their free throws and points in the paint, you know how many points they had tonight, Jackson? How many? Two. 
Oh yeah, because they didn't hit any three pointers tonight. That's the other weird one, right? Yeah. There are there's the three weird ones in my opinion. It's the free throws. They didn't hit a three all night. We hit a high three percentage. And then uh the amount of jump balls that were in this game was ridiculous. They started or, off or should have been jump balls. There were yeah. the, the ones that weren't jump balls were called jump balls, and then there was possession arrow confusion. You're right. There was it all started weird when like the very first possession of the game, the ball went out of bounds, and all three referees just said, I don't know. And they did jump balls. Like, all right, we're setting up something weird here. But, anyways, that's the weird stuff. We'll get more into that, but for MVP, I think we knew super strong. Jalen Williams just came out and had a Cancun Jalen. Uh, we were calling it a 90s Jalen tonight because it was 90s night at the basketball game. We didn't know what happened. Jalen Williams came out, just boomed everybody early on, hitting nonstop threes, hitting some good twos also. And kind of just like, it really felt like, how can he lose the MVP? Well, it really like went down the stretch. It was not great. And so we're kind of wondering, honestly, it's Jalen Williams to lose. I want to know from you if you think anyone caught up to him or if he fell apart enough for you to think anybody else would catch up to him. Um, First of all, I find it very offensive as a Jalen Williams person that we have to like name things when he plays well, because I think this is what he should do. Now, granted, five for seven from three is not, you know, normal. That's a really good play. I don't think he really fell off. I, I think he... We, we tried to spread the offense around a little more in the second half. He still hit multiple threes in the second half. He still led the team in rebounds. He still had less turnovers than everybody else you're going to talk about as a potential option. By the way, when he went out, we couldn't throw inbounds passes um, at all. So to me, it's it. Jalen's the MVP. Um, he played great. We need somewhere between these peak Jalen moments and the really quiet Jalen moments at yeah, you can say he was quieter in the second half. I just think a, I think a big a big thing is he ended up with five fouls and went out of the game with about two and a half minutes left. And just the game got so sloppy and he did hit some threes. I think he hit two two threes in the second half, I believe. But yeah. they felt a little more like out of rhythm and kind of like uh des- not all right, Matt's shaking his head, but I, I just feel like the game was what, like what, really coming to him in three, the first half. He what, was killing it. What three it. was out of rhythm that he made in the second half? I guess I guess the you know I, I say out of rhythm. He did a, a fast break three that was amazing in the first half, and so I guess like that's out of rhythm in itself. But like that was amazing, and I loved it. It just felt like there was some late shot clock shots. They were kind of desperation, like let's get this over to somebody to shoot it, and he had to shoot, and he goes in. And I seen that go out ninety percent of the time, so it's hard sometimes for me to be like this sh- was not a great shot, it was not a great possession. It goes in great but it wasn't because we necessarily had some great plan here it just we had to shoot a three at the end of the shot clock it happened that time Jalen's went in if we're going to be mad about something it should be that Bruce didn't force the ball to him more in the second half I think that that's that's the thing so he's still and again if you want to argue he fouled out he played I mean Wendell led the team in 32 minutes he played 31 he played more than anybody else during the game I think he played great He had a um, the first foul on him in the first half. His only one in the first half was a jump ball. It was a clear jump ball. It got called a foul on him. There was a 50-50 charge that didn't go his way. So, like, I don't think we can really – I know I'm a Jalen defender. I just don't – I didn't think he – I I didn't think the five fouls necessarily, if you watch the way the fouls played out, were like a detriment or were his fault necessarily. I think the only guy that had a chance to steal the MVP from him was Alan Flanagan. And that was, he was a ton of fun to watch 10 points, uh, seven, one, one block, seven rebounds. We, I just had a fun, a fun time with Alan Flanagan. He felt like he kind of 
carried the teams at times down the stretch when it felt like we were getting really sloppy. But at the same time, he ended up really sloppy. So he kind of like defeated himself a bit. So seven I really do think seven, seven from Alan Flanagan. Correct. Wow. I didn't even notice that. I guess he had some really bad ones near the end there. Well, he but... had th- two or three at the end inbounding the ball because he's never played yeah. power forward for us that I know of. Um, Does that and... come down to just we weren't going to play Johan? Yeah. Well, yeah. and Chris Moore's hurt. And they played, again, they're going to play Johan every half for the rest of the year. He's going to play the backup minutes. But when it gets dicey there, um, and they did a good job on the telecast, you know, Flanagan can run the baseline. <laughs> And because the four person always throws it in in our offense all the time, as long as I've watched Bruce, that's how it is. And uh, Flanagan has just never played it. So he wasn't running the baseline when he could. He wasn't making it easier on himself. Um, Tough spot for Flanagan. I'm not trying to pile on. Um, Ten points, seven rebounds. Him and Jalen led the team in rebounding. Um, So we need Flanagan. He played well. Wendell kind of closed for us. Um, Alan was also two of four from three, very efficient from three. It was nice. I I guess there's not really much discussion to have for MVP with Jalen. We don't have to discuss it too much harder. What I want to ask you about Jalen is why tonight? Like you say, oh, we shouldn't have to have names for him, but I feel like we do just because he disappears at times. Why was tonight so different? Was it a confidence issue? Did we work it to him? Did he just start hitting things? Like in your head, why is this happening every night? If this is what you expect from him. No No one shoots five of seven from three every night on this team or really any team. So um look first first three he hit Wendell did a great job of driving in almost going for a shot drew Jalen's guy over hit Jalen for a wide open shot he drills it second one I believe was the pull up in transition and a lot of people amazing amazing I absolutely loved it but but to be clear everybody says amazing um if he bricks that everybody's like what the heck? Like, what are you doing? So I like that he took it. I like that he dribbled it up the court and dribbled into it. That was a little Jabari, honestly. Like, I haven't seen many power forwards do that. Um, great to see him hit it. The third one was off kind of, um, I don't know if it was flex action or not, but it, Cardwell hit him with a good pass. He was open. So it wasn't anything different. We weren't forcing it to him. Now, Bruce, I think there was one or two after that that Bruce was for yeah, he would kind of heat check there, um, but he hit twos. He drove in and had some really nice finishes in the mid range. There were a couple short ones in the second half he missed. Um, I I didn't see a lot of difference from him. I mean, I know people are going to look at the points and the threes, and he just happened to hit the threes tonight. That's kind of what it came down to. He hit the threes, but, but again, I think people focus way too much on the points with Jalen. I, I just don't think that's encompasses his play. Um, on a night when we couldn't rebound, he led the team in rebounding. Uh, he was bailing out people. Um, his in- Again, something as simple as inbounds passes that you just completely take for granted. Every time he was off the floor, we would do something terrible. <laughs> so He's- that's that's not good, and the rest of our team needs to figure some stuff out there. But just Jalen is the guy that coaches like because he is going to be in the right place. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to share the ball, had multiple beautiful passes tonight. We haven't even talked about it. Um, defense is solid. He can dribble up the floor. He can, he can do it all. That's why people who like him so much like me and others, like you see the potential now may again, I don't, I am done saying that maybe this will like launch. I think he is who he is. He's not a selfish player. He's not going to force things, but it probably was really good for him to see his teammates reacting to him and saying, shoot, keep shooting. Like you're making these, let's go, you know? 
So he, I, just encouraged by his play. He played great. He's shooting on the season 37% from three. He's our best he shooter. Shot, he shot seven threes this game, which led the team. Should we, like, if you're trying to, like, grow this team, you're trying to progress this team, you're trying to say Jalen should be this good, Jalen should be a leader on this team. Bruce said before the season started that he wanted to build this team around Jalen, which I always thought was dubious. But when he has a night like tonight that you're like, yeah, that, that could be a possibility. Should we be pushing more threes to Jalen? You know, we, we got guys like KD and, and Wendell that, hit, that shoot a ton of threes. Should we be making more shots for him? I mean, we work the ball down to Joe and I broom all the time as part of the offense. Should we be working it to threes for Jalen? I mean, I feel like he's been shooting threes all year, and I think that he's our best. Not three. not seven, though. Not seven not in seven, a night. But again, like, this, don't get caught up in the, the uniqueness of this game. I'm, I'm looking at, like, the whole season. He's been our pick-and-pop four guy all year. He's getting good looks. He's shooting the highest percentage of anybody taking a lot of threes on this team. From a power forward position, like he Jabari- was more aggressive though tonight for sure, right? I mean, maybe it was just the first two threes that got hit, but like I would, I, I mean, it was only the second one, I guess, but a fast break three from Jalen Williams. I was texting the group. I didn't think he had that in him. Then he had another amazing two where he dribbled yeah. it up the court and then did this long floater thing, which you know, you know how I am. I wish he would have went in there and just dunked it on somebody, but he still hit this really cool like finger roll two at some point. I said I didn't know he could do that. I mean, I kind of assumed. He looks like he could. He just never has. So, like, it's a confidence thing. He hit a couple of these threes, and all of a sudden he was confident enough to do the finger roll. What brought the confidence to try to hit a fast break three? I'm sure that was a thing that could have happened before, and he usually makes the pass there. Well, just, I mean, I don't know. Think about anybody else in the last nine years besides Jabari Smith doing that. Like, the the ball doesn't get to the power forward to run up the court and take a three. Like, it just, so... It's good to see. I'm glad he saw an opening and was kind of aggressive with it. We always want him to be more aggressive. I think we're going to be saying that for the rest of the year, kind of like we did with Chuma that sophomore year, where it's just like, please, by the end of the year, like Chuma, take the shots, take the open shots, drive in, finish, hit free throws, do all the things you need to do. Um, It's a great game. We need him to do things like this because we'll talk about a lot of the reasons Auburn shouldn't have won this game. But ultimately, the thing that we've looked at as one of our weaknesses saved us tonight with the outside shooting going 11 of 25 so double digit threes made is just huge for this team and like you said shooting at a good percentage and Jalen led the way on that I, I want to celebrate this win quickly before I get into the frustrating parts just super cool to win at home again in Neville Arena we saw Kentucky go beat Tennessee and another team lost their home streak Tennessee was right behind us now there seems to be a bit of a gap between us and the team behind us and home streak and then gonzaga has a crazy long home streak at number one that's just never gonna get broken because we don't you know if we played our out of conference at home schedule every year yeah we'd be i think we're like four or five years of out of conference at home because we play these weak opponents gonzaga does the same thing so anyways we're never gonna catch that but in my head we are now the number one legit team with a home win streak and it's super exciting it's super fun it was great to see the students in there going nuts with the 90s game. It's just fun that the community's out there getting into it. I think people are getting excited. I'm getting text messages now from other people outside of like my usual basketball fandom getting excited for that Arkansas and Ole Miss wins. It's another exciting one where part of the schedule where we can really roll a couple off, hopefully. But this is the kind of lens I'm thinking we can talk about this game in that I think kind of shows a little bit of the frustration, even in a win, even though we hit a bunch of these threes and they missed a bunch of these threes is who are we as a team? What, like, name three things that you know about this team for sure that night in, night out, we should expect them to excel at. Because that's what I'm having a bit of an issue is I didn't expect us to win 
like to shoot 44% from three, but I expected us to do a couple other things. And when we didn't do those things, and then so happened after a long, so far this year, not hitting threes like this, like a lot of this came down to, we hit 44% from three, they hit 0% from three. And that's going to happen because they're the away team. And we're going to have that same thing when we're in away. So then I get frustrated with the rest of the game where they're not meeting my expectations on what I assume is good on this team. So I want you to kind of maybe name like three things that you felt like this team should excel at this every night. And that's way we can look at that and say, did we do that tonight? Well, look, basketball, I'm not trying to like deflect all your questions. I'll answer it. I just, I've never watched two basketball games that are the same. So the idea that we're going to be this monolithic team that just like looks like has the same strengths and weakness. I mean, look around the league. Like we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. I mean, good luck. Good luck figuring out who's good at what. I think we are a great half-court, first-shot defensive team. I think our scouts are good. I think when we have really made a shift the last couple of weeks, and I was begging for it, just make teams make shots. Don't give them anything easy. We're always going to, you know, you're not going to be perfect. But overall tonight, we were com- our first-shot defense was terrific, okay? I mean, I don't know if people realize how good it does, was. Does defensive rebounding – go into a good half court defense like if you're going to pick half court defense okay yes all right that's one i'm going to say the one right now is half court defense you feel good about i feel night in night out this is what we should expect is a solid half court defense this is what we are if if we're going to win we got to win like this and that's why I, i mean yeah be frustrated by the turnovers be frustrated by the things but this is the kind of game you better get comfortable with now is it going to be this extreme no, Mississippi State, by the way, is just like us in three-point shooting. They're a bad shooting team. So don't be surprised that when these two teams play, fortunately, it's the only time we play them this year. Um, you know, don't be surprised when a game looks like this. Now, they missed some open threes, but we've talked about it. At what point are people going to – you said it's not sustainable. I can – I get it. It's only five SEC games. We haven't played the top teams. It's scary to think about playing Alabama and Tennessee and stuff like that. But at some point – when our three-point defense is better than our bad three-point shooting repeatedly, now tonight's an extreme. We're not I, in, in case we haven't said that stat enough. We we are leading our opponents in three-point percentage, even though we have not been great at three-point shooting percentage. The other teams have been worse because our defense has played well and they played worse. Yeah, and part of that's because of the added conference schedule where we played crappy teams at home over and over again. So we'll see if it evens out in SEC play. But as long as we're shooting better three-point percentage than our opponents that's pretty good in my opinion even though ours is bad but i would say half court defense is something we should be expecting every night so what is, what's your number two two our depth and and way what i would say depth and ways to win i think would be our other identifying trait um, so you say like bench points and the fact that someone like Jalen can come out of nowhere tonight right. and right. we didn't expect him last game we had another player jonai broom was down this game compared to great game four okay yeah um so that would be number two, like Flanagan. What's happened with Flanagan the last couple? We, we've talked. We need Love somebody. It. I don't know. Who we're going to have a whole segment on the Flanagan renaissance. But but you've got to have guys. So we have options. At this point, Chris Moore's out for who knows how long. Um, Johan is contributing very small chances out. And we still are playing 10 guys. And we're still deep. And we still have a bunch of different guys who can kind of contribute in different ways. I think that's our other identifying thing. That number three. Had, if I had to pick three, um, it you would want it to be old school Bruce, 
turnovers, steals, um, and, and rebounding. We're not a bad rebounding team. I think there's this we, – we'll look up some stats while we're doing this tonight. There's kind of a thought that we're just a terrible rebound. We're not. We're a pretty good rebounding team, um, especially offensive rebounding. Um, rebounding or turnovers – you know, last year we talked about those two. Like with this team we have, if we win rebounds and turnovers, we are probably going to win almost every game. And it was very clear. I don't know if we're elite at either one of those. We've actually turned it over pretty poorly a lot this year at random times. But um, I would say one, I think if this team can keep turnovers down and play the defense we're playing, that would be my third thing. But we have not proven that that's consistent, right? When we turn it over 10, 12 times or less, with our defense, I like our chances to be in the games. So, so this is where some of the frustration comes from. So we can win a game like this tonight. It, a lot of times it comes down to, you know, we know that college basketball can be so up and down. Your 3% shooting, your free throw shooting, turnovers. It, it could just be not your night. You know, that Georgia game is just not your night or whatever. So I kind of always am looking, did we do our job? If we did our job and we still got beat because the other team shot 50% from three or did some other ridiculous thing, or we just kept getting the wrong calls, the ball just didn't go away, that's going to happen every single year. It's going to happen one out of every 10 games or whatever. So I'm always looking, did we do our job? So if those are our three you know, things we want to hang our hats on, you look at a game like this tonight where we won by six points at home, which is great. We shot 44% from three. They shot 0% from three. But two out of the three of our jobs, we didn't do. The first one with the half-court defense, Played good half-court defense, but we got roasted on rebounding. The second-chance points were constant. It felt like every time they shot the ball, they got a second chance to shoot again, and we played good defense, but we couldn't do it on the second one, which is really frustrating. And the third one was turnovers and causing turnovers and being that fast-break team. They had 16 turnovers to our 20. If we look at fast-break fast break points, maybe on that Justin Ferguson stat, I'd love to see the difference there, you know? Uh, fast-break points. 11-3 to three for Auburn. Also, we actually won that one, even off the, even though we turned the ball over more. But the the other thing that frustrates me, you you picked those three. If I could have picked one of the three before and something we want to hang our hat on, I was so excited about was the block party and being so great from our sitter position with Cardwell and Broom. We were going to dominate the paint. Uh, look look how great the moves from Broom are, you know. And then we just over and over again, we've gotten dominated in the paint. I don't know if we can still say it's because they're pulling Broom out necessarily. We're just getting killed in the paint. What's the stats tonight on the on the the stat there? It was like 40 points, 40 to 24 yeah. for Mississippi State. And it's getting kind of frustrating. And so that's the kind of frustration I'm trying to voice a bit is that we're having fun. We're winning. But because we can't seem to quite win in these like ways I expect on my averages, my like, did we do our jobs? I get frustrated. You know, you watch it down the stretch here with all the turnovers and the sloppiness from what should be a veteran team, a team that should have it locked down. We should be the team that knows these situations and knows where to go and knows to rattle the other team. We should never be rattled in my head because we did return so many players. And when we get rattled, I get frustrated. And you can say, oh, we still won. You know, oh, we won in a different way tonight. I just kind of like expect us. I want us to do our job. And even if we lose doing our job, I can be happy. And when we win not doing our job, you just have this little bit of frustration, you know? Yeah, I just don't know. I've never watched a Bruce Pearl team that looked just supremely comfortable <laughs> on the offensive end. I, I just don't know if that's re- – now, look, it was bad. I, for me personally, I'm riding off the last few minutes because I don't want to over-focus on it. Wendell has been a great closer, taking care of the ball in the last few minutes. He had two, I believe at least two, really bad missteps with that. 
He hit all his free throws, though. I'll give it seven for seven, all in the last four minutes. Clutch free throws to kind of make sure Mississippi State didn't get it. Flan was a big part of that. Um, it was not a good closing, and I'm sure the players are going to hear it. But I don't, I don't worry about that. I hear what you're saying with, you know, I just think we need to embrace a little bit. If this team's going to be good, it's going to look different. It needs, it better not look terrible from three all the time because we know we're not consistent from, you know what I mean? Like if that's part of our identity, we're not good at threes. I don't want to play like that every game. Like I, I want to hit through. I want to have a night where our shooting actually bails us out. And perhaps some confidence gets going with, you know, how many guys hit a three tonight, four or five guys, five guys hit a three. Um, that's great. That We need that. So I hear what you're saying. I don't know if we know exactly who we are, but ultimately do, at the end of the day. Do you feel like we need to, do we feel like by the end, like in my head, we absolutely need to know before the SEC tournament who we are and what we can hang our hat on. I don't think we can leave this ambiguous like, well, we it could be any guy. Uh, like, What's we're going to make it happen. Ambiguous? What is ambiguous? Do you not feel like the defense, again, I hesitate to say this because we still are going to have to play some really good offensive teams. I know we haven't played the best offensive teams yet. Do you not feel like our guys, compared to a few weeks ago, are more – bought in that we have to and i've heard guys say it after the games i've heard them say it with the media like we've got a but we've got to bust it defensively i think that's been the message the whole time yeah, it feels like we flipped a switch after that georgia game a bit but then you also look at points in the paint and you look at rebounds and you just you wonder a bit you know if we had this like achilles heel there with just giving up second half points but then well, again 63 points Michigan state they're not a great offense team either but if you play this game away i give neville arena like 10 points here I definitely don't expect us to shoot 44%. In fact, in Mississippi State, I expect us to shoot like 19% or something below 20%, and then we lose this game, you know? Well, yeah. Like, well, that's that's what I don't get. I don't understand how a fan base that, um, you know, we on this podcast a week and a half ago were like, uh, can we get to nine conference wins and make the tournament? Like, it's feeling a little dicey. And now all of a sudden we think we can just show up and – beat Mississippi State, who was 12-0 and to start the year. And by the way, we're the fourth team to even score 60 on them all year. They've held everybody under 60. You talk about 70? We just we just got high expectations these days. You know, I think they talked I, about on the broadcast that Bruce said it's harder to keep a program than to build yeah. a program because people get high expectations like this. It's just frustrating to see Alabama and Tennessee play so well. And then to see some of these players that we've seen play well. We've seen Jalen Williams do this tonight. And we're like, surely not. We don't need it every night. You can just do it one out of four nights, you know, kind of thing. We've seen well, Wendell play so well. We've seen play. We've seen these guys do it. And so every time they don't do something, even within the realm, we're like, we know you can. We know you can. Yeah. Well, let's give Mississippi State credit because Chris Jans, really good coach. You remember him. You might. I had a terrible flashback. They showed it on the broadcast. He was the New Mexico State coach in the first round matchup where they really should have beaten us at the end of the final four run. Um, he's now at Mississippi State, and Bruce called them before the game the most physical team we've played all year. I think that played out. Tolu Smith is a great player, one of the best players in the league. He had 20 and 10, a lot of those offensive rebounds you're talking about. Um, you got to tip your – that's how they play. You want to talk about an identity. Go watch Mississippi State. They they know, and and they're in their heads a little bit, I think, because they know more than we do. Sometimes our guys think we're good shooters, right? Their guys do not. <laughs> they know they're not good shooters. 
we played them to shoot. So, yes, they missed open threes, and we had some miscommunications, but a lot of that was our game plan. We wanted to give them that. And we so when they're forcing it in for 40 points in the paint, I think we did the math and said, are they going to score six? They, they should have scored 40-something on us tonight, even with the offensive rebounds and the issues. You know what I mean? Like, we can focus on points in the paint, but our strategy defensively, I think, Sure, if they hit five threes, maybe they win. But the game's different. You can't just do that. Um, I, I think we had a good strategy, and we forced them into some uncomfortable. We took away what they wanted to do a lot. And if we would have cleaned up the glass and gotten five more rebounds that they got, it, it's a blowout, and it's not even close. The, the points in the paint thing is so frustrating just because in my head, maybe this is my novice fan podcast thoughts or whatever, but Janai Broom and Cardwell to me are such great defenders in my head. Jonai Broom let came into our team, I think, with third in the nation in blocks. Cardwell's been great so defensively. And so it's not just the defense that's that's the issue here, letting 40 points. I mean, that's all they're going to score. That's all they score. If they're not going to shoot threes, if they're gonna, that's fine. But the other issue is on offense, we're also working the ball to Jonai Broom. We're working the ball to Jalen Williams as our primary offense. And so to get outscored and not play great on defense at times, it gets a little frustrating. Yeah. I keep saying, you know, I got to stop saying, you know, so often. Well, yeah, I think here's what people miss. Okay. Why do we get so many blocks? Because taking our, taking risks out there, right? Our big guys are going to block the shots. <laughs> so where does that leave you vulnerable? Where the big guy just was, where there's another big guy who he was guarding, who is now the closest person to the rim and most likely is going to be bigger than everybody else we have out there. Cause we have small guys a lot of times on the floor. Um, it's always been a little bit of an issue. I, I thought the big, if you want to get mad about rebounding, it's fair. I think state's physical. I think they pushed us around a little bit. I think we didn't gang rebound enough. Like we needed everybody to be hitting the glass. Wendell had one that was really bad. He just, he didn't put a body on his guy. I know he's small, but if you're small and you put a body on somebody, you get knocked over, you're going to get a foul. And he just didn't. And it led to a two. So there were little breakdowns and we needed to more team rebound a little bit. Um, I just... I'm not shocked that Mississippi State out-rebounded. And by the way, you can't – they out-rebounded us by six. I mean, it it's not – it feels so bad because that's where they were getting their offense. But you – I mean, we I had guess, 10 offensive it, rebounds too. I guess it comes down to that 17 second chance points to our – Nine. I lost nine. Mm-hmm. So another extremely frustrating thing. I keep saying frustrating. I keep bringing that. You know, I, I enjoyed this game. I had fun. Uh, the other thing, so this was less frustrating from like an R standpoint necessarily, but they clearly made some switches on defense in the second half to really frustrate our offense. And one of the most frustrating things in college basketball is when we, at least for me, is when you can't get into your offense. You spend so much time bringing the ball up the court or just trying to reset with the point guard because you've been double teamed or something like that. And you look up and you're down to nine, eight seconds left on the shot clock before we can even look up at the basket. What happened on defense of Mississippi State that so frustrated us in the second half? Well, they pressed. They pressed. They did kind of a 2-2-1 press, extended. They had some big, lanky guys. Um, we actually did pretty well with it, like, like for a while. And then it's – I don't know. I, I haven't watched them a ton this year. I know it's been an effective tool for them. Um, but they they kind of got us uncomfortable. Uh, we had at least – I think we had – do we have two 10 second violations getting it across? One of them was on. I, here's my only thing. Can I just complain about Wendell for a minute? I love Wendell. 
I think he is it's so important to this team. He's our closer. He's a warrior. We know all the good stuff. Just sometimes a little too nonchalant for me. Like sometimes it was they would be in this press and we spend three seconds just kind of okay. What are we gonna do? Here we go. And then you throw it. One time you threw it to Johan, and Johan was having to dribble across half court right before twenty. And I'm like, oh no! And it worked out okay. <laughs> um, so I just think they caught us a couple times with the press. I think they got Trey once, but Trey broke it one time and got a wide open three for somebody too. So um, it did feel like in the second half we had that double digit lead, and there's a difference between breaking the press to score and breaking the press to run your offense, right? And it felt like we were doing a lot of breaking the press at 20, run our offense, which we know, you know, <laughs> sometimes isn't the best. And then you're, you might, it takes away, it takes away one or two actions from your offensive set, right? So on a typical offensive thing, Bruce will call a play and it's going to have two or three options off of it, right? Sometimes, depending on what he calls. Usually if all, if it's a normal shot clock, we can do all that. And if it doesn't work, it's going out to Wendell. And we're going to set a high screen for them at about eight or 10 seconds. And then you get another shot off that. Well, when they press for 10 and you don't get it across till 20 left on the clock, now you don't have that extra time. So that's why teams press. And I think because we weren't necessarily breaking the press to score because of the time and score, it kind of suffocated us a little bit. Didn't it feel that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, that we tried to break and score for a decent amount in the second half. and We just could not quite get that score. I mean, there was one really bad one where we really broke it. It was super exciting. Jalen got the ball, like the free throw line took like one dribble, flowed it and missed. I was like, that was the, like everything looked like the textbook. You've just broken their offense. Just score the easy two right here over one last guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't get it. It was classic. I think we had another one like that in the same, like kind of like four minute segment that was just like, this is why this game, while well, we can't blow this game out. I mean, there's several times we thought, this game might get blown out. This game might go over the edge and not have to be stressful at the end. And luckily they didn't make it overly stressful at any moment. I was absolutely waiting for Mississippi state to start hitting threes because we left this game. We left the door open till the absolute last second. And we won this game by six. It should have been by a lot more. In my opinion, we just, we left the door open over and over again. Yeah. I think we got up 13 when KD hit a, hit a three and forced them to call a timeout. And then it got weird. It some weird. We turned it over some. I think Jalen had to sit. Uh, I might have my timeline off there. There, there were some weird lineups going on. Um, it, it was, it was just a bit of an odd. Again, the second half after the first half, nobody shoots a free throw the whole half. I've never seen that. I don't think anybody has. It was weird. You knew the second half was going to get a little dodgy, especially with this Mississippi State team. Because again, you know. So here's what's crazy. They scored 22 points in the first half. How many of that was on offensive rebounds? It had to have been 10. And and here's the other thing I just noticed on our stats. They outscored us in the second half. So we were 30 to 22 in the first half. We felt good. Jalen was thriving. It just felt like we were just one or two passes, one or two less turnovers away from blowing them absolutely out in the first half. And then that's why it was so frustrating. Second half, we got beat in the second half, 41 to 39. So this is another like indicator. It just felt like that second half was just dragging. At one point, I text that we've been living off this Jalen Williams streak that he had like early in the first quarter for the entire first quarter. And then we lived off of it basically the rest of the game. But that's why those are so important, right? I know that's frustrating, but that's where a transcendent performance of a guy that hits that, you know, makes that big of an impact with his shooting, right? He had 
what, 13 points on like four shots or five shots there early. When somebody does that for, especially in a game with two defensive minded teams, it is hard to overcome. And Mississippi State did a lot of good things to hang in the game and try to get back in it. But you're right. Ultimately, it's kind of frustrating. But the Jalen run, I think, kind of did enough for us to to, to get the win. My narrative, honestly, would be for this game would not be frustrating. It'd be different if he could have done that same run at the end of the game. I would have said, what a rock fight of a game. Great defenses. Just yeah. really tough. You got to win these games. And, man, Jay Lentian just took that ball over and took us out to the win. I would have been just – I'd be gushing. And I was because it was early, you knew you had a chance to just make this not stressful. <laughs> so when it ended up stressful, it felt bad. But that's what it is, really. It's a timing thing. If he'd done that, even in the middle. And yeah. we had a frustration, a middle, and a frustration. I went fine. It's just something about like knowing that you could have had it better, you know? Absolutely. Um, you're right. And it's weird. It's weird that our minds do that. Um, we all create narratives in our own brain, our own lives, not just for basketball to make us feel better. It's a coping mechanism, you know, psychology. But if you want to talk about, you know, we talked about the weird stats yeah. early on a bit. If you want to elaborate on any of the weird stats, the jump balls, the no three pointers from Mississippi State, the no free throws. I don't know if you have any other, you know, anecdotes or anything you want to talk about. Just college basketball officiating is weird. Um, I there there was maybe a disagreement a little bit. I I love the first half because they didn't call everything, and I think that works for us. I I know they got I know they were pushing us around a little bit, and they were maybe pushing on some offensive rebounds, and but like I like that for our team for this team this year. I want I don't want the refs overly involved, right? But, and then. But- it other, just, than the, other than the jump yeah. balls, the fact that I didn't know that we didn't shoot free throws and they didn't shoot free throws until people were tweeting about it, that's probably a good thing. The fact, like, sure, we were talking about the weird jump ball stuff, but other than that, we were not talking about the refs, which is what you want. You want to look up at the end of the game and not even have thought about it. And we've had a couple of games like that. That's the funny part. We go nuts when the refs mess it up, but when they don't, we don't think about it twice. That's when you had a good game. Yeah. Um, not, not much. We've covered, I think, most of the big stats. I think – Maybe, um, well, here, here's one. I don't remember our exact number. I want to say we had, we didn't have many assists in the second half. And I think that was something Ben was touching on in our text. Like the, the offense wasn't perfect. People forget if, if Flan doesn't hit that three at the end of the first half, to which was a terrible last possession, it goes in and, and I just text like eight feels right. Like that's about what I feel like we earned in the first half. And it felt way better than five. Um, but it just felt like the offense and, and Mississippi state probably made some adjustments and, you know, kudos to them, but it just felt like we weren't sharing the ball quite as well. And like you said, it just kind of kept getting choked off. So I don't really have much stats. I do think we can get into a lot more player stuff though. I, yeah, that's what you brought up Alan Flanagan. I think he deserves after what four straight games of double digit scoring and just overall, not even just the double digit scoring. He just feels more comfortable. He's hitting the open threes. He's taking a step back three to hit. He's, slamming the ball down in transition instead of taking a charge. He's making decent passes. Sure. There were some weird turnovers or seven turners at the end there. And you said he's playing out of position at times, but just overall, that's kind of been a Renaissance for us that four games in a row. We've had a, a we've been looking for that second or third guy. We kind of needed like a four or five guy rotation that at any night they could score double digits and to have a consistent double digits from Alan Flanagan changes everything and maybe we can't keep expecting that but just adding his name even into that equation of four or five guys that could double digit is absolutely huge uh yeah you 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 said it i think he continues to look more like himself 
there was a great play where there were a couple moments I just want to highlight with him. Obviously, him hitting multiple threes is huge. Obviously, 10 points on eight shots is huge. Um, you know, and he's playing a lot of minutes because Chris Moore's out. And, and he's, he's, he's really vital to what's going on right now. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. He had a play where he grabbed a rebound, again, tied for the team leading rebounds on a night when we didn't rebound as well as we probably wanted to. Pulls it down, has this great transition. He's kind of slithering, watching, seeing. He didn't get the breakaway dunk like sometimes he gets. He gets cut off. He's kind of in the mid-range. He pulls it back out, maybe traveled just a little bit, but got rid of the ball right before it got called to a wide-open Zep Jasper on the other side of the court in kind of the secondary break of the second wave of guys. It was just so encouraging to see him get the ball, push it, get downhill, not charge, not force something, find an open man who hits the shot. Like that's that's more like Bruce Pearl Auburn offensive basketball. And I think him being able to do all those things really highlighted something. And another point, you you mentioned how dicey it got. It was a four-point game. And we had the ball, I want to say that the last two minutes were so bad, but it was a minute or two left. Really important possession offensively. Him and Wendell he was throwing it into Wendell and they had a little conversation. There was just great communication and nonverbals there. And you could tell, I think that was the one Wendell hit the almost logo three from the top. And on the way back, you know, they're like, yeah, like we got that. Don't panic everybody. We're, we're good. And I was just, he's been great all year. He hasn't hung his head. He hasn't gotten overly frustrated when it wasn't going his way. He deserves all these good things happening to him. And you're right. Double-digit points on this team is no minor thing. Like when t- when guys are scoring double figures, we need to celebrate it. They, you know, I don't know much about the Achilles tendon injury and how that works with your physiological, with your foot. And all. It just feels like his acceleration, his stopping and going is just completely different this season from last season. He feels way more confident, ultimately, honestly, in the stopping. You know, he was like a freight train last year trying to get the ball down into the zone to to – to score a layup and this year he can kind of stop and go like you said he stopped and made that pass to zip he can kind of do this little move now that a lot of great guards can do where you can kind of accelerate into the zone a bit and then stop like stutter step a bit slow down just side from there if you're going to make a pass or keep going and now he can do that he can either stop pass or keep going and before it was he couldn't stop in time he had to, to be he had to make that decision at the free throw line, basically, if he was going to make that or not. And ultimately, he would end up with a charge several times. On top of that, he's making his threes. He had an amazing dunk that was kind of, I don't know if it brought the house down necessarily or not, but it was a huge deal that kind of like we were talking about earlier, we were trying to break that press and we broke the press. And a weaker player, a guy, and that's probably the, the player we've been needing is that three guard that can go through the contact and finish the ball. We saw that Wendell on a fast break could not dunk. And this possession Flanian was uh you know felt good enough felt confident enough to just push it all the way throw it down how we had several other players we tried to break that they got to pull it out they got to try to do a floater Jalen Williams is a floater half the time Flanian said no I'm gonna finish this thing and it's huge it's a two points when it could have been a layup that he misses which is half the time that we do so it's just huge he has the confidence to do that he's been doing it a couple games in a row now and it's just super fun to watch. I mean, if you listen to this podcast last year, it was a huge Alan Flanagan stand. And this is kind of the play I expected from him last year on a better team with the Jabari and Walker that could have taken that team from an already great team to like legendary. And it's sad that it missed out last year. And you, you can look around the league sometimes. I was watching the Florida Vanderbilt game today. And you look at Colin Castleton. You're like, man, 
on a different team, Colin Castleton would be a, could be a player of the year if he just had the right guys around him, but he's just, it's not quite there for, for Florida. And you think like, what would he be like on this team? So you see a guy like Flanagan that could accelerate you know, a different team, different place. He might even be even better than he is now. Yeah, no, it's a great point. We, we need it. We need it really bad. We've been begging for it all year from somebody and the last three, you know, three games in a row we've won in league play. I think he more than anybody has been the consistent presence him and Wendell really have. And we, we, I guess we can go through the rest of the players real quick. I don't want to like, you know, I think we talked about that. We know these players are going to have their up nights and they're going to have their down nights. And you just hope that there's a, a higher percentage of the up nights. And there's enough guys that we always have two or three guys up while two or three guys are down. And so you can talk about broom briefly. I don't want to go too crazy on it. Cause he's kind of, I think he's shown that he averages a good night. Tonight was not a great night. I don't know if you have any thoughts on broom. I just, I mean, you know, uh, tough assignment, <laughs> Tolu Smith. I think we saw that. Why Tolu is such a great player. Um, you know, uh, I, it is interesting. I don't know enough to know if Mississippi State, you know, four straight double doubles. I don't know if they were a little more focused on him, perhaps defensively with their game plan, which opened up a lot of these three pointers we took. Um, I'm not sure about that. You know, he he still had his moments. I thought there was a stretch late in the first half. He was great defending Tolu Smith. Um, he really, he got beat a couple times and then he really had a good stretch. He got beat once or twice, but he scored a couple times in the second half. Good to see Cardwell get more of those minutes um, because Broom was, you know, not dominating the game quite as much. That 25-15 is much more of the split I kind of want to see with Cardwell. So that was kind of nice to see on a night when Broom didn't play his best, didn't stuff the stat sheet. I think the worst part about Broom, I don't, I'm going long, but uh, four turnovers. And they were all like, he's getting double teamed and he's still firing the ball, you know, unnecessarily. That's that was the one thing I wanted to bring up is that we had the react, the uh, flashback of the double team on Broom. And so I'm just hoping, you know, he's growing, he's learning. He, I think we still potentially have two years left of him, hopefully after this, I believe. Yeah. And so you just hope that. Clearly teams have seen something with the double team on him that he maybe can't pass out of it, that maybe that's the right play. And you just hope over practices over the next couple of games, he's getting better at it. The last game or two has not bitten us the way it did in that Georgia game. And I believe even before that, and this game, it bit us a bit. Hopefully he's practicing it. I have full belief from what we've seen so far of Broom that he will figure that out. And that's all I want is this team to figure things out by SEC tournament play. I don't, I think we all believe this is not an SEC regular season champion caliber team so i'm just hoping everybody up oh, matt gave a little face hey it's possible this this season we'll I see did. we'll talk about as you see later but i just i just want us to keep tinkering i think broom can learn and grow and i think that's part of the you know the great thing and let's just pause kessler was amazing when he got to sec play right uh he didn't have four straight Triple double doubles. four straight double doubles to start sec play for a a g5 transfer that's not a small thing and i think people who have we, we were on we were on the lookout right for five straight in this game and so i think the broadcaster said it'd be the first time since the 80s so yeah we got to put some of the stuff in perspective and i think we want to compare ourselves i know i want to compare ourselves to the greats and look around the rest of the teams and compare ourselves to the top of the league and so just sometimes we got to remember our own history <laughs> that, yep. that would have been yep. the first time since the 80s you know yep uh, is there anything more consistent on this team than Zepp Jasper hitting a big open three about once a game. Yeah, well, and I personally love, I thought every one of his looks was great. I thought they all looked good off his hand. Um, I love that our guys are looking for him and finding him and trusting him with those shots. And, and again, in a game like this that got really ugly, 
he got the closing minutes because we were up and because the defensive presence that he is is more valuable than his lack of um scoring uh the only thing i he is what he is and he's still a valuable contributor on this team i think uh the one point he had one shot at the end of the shot clock and i think somebody was like why the heck is is zep taking a runner in the lane it's like well because wendell gave him the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock that's why (laughs) and Uh, the crowd was the crowd was counting it down i could see he he could have finished that he was so close and i could tell he'd let the ball go just a little bit early because he thought that he was going to run out of time and that's man that's classic right there i mean we've seen it happen plenty of times where the clock's not even going in their head and they finish it just in time but I don't know. It's well, always it's the devil's it's the devil's deal if he's gonna let it go just a little bit early. So he, he knows he goes and I wish he had kept it just a bit longer and finished it and just said screw it. I'd rather finish it the way I want to finish it. But that's just how it is, you know. He, I would been if he had not finished it in time, I'd have been roasting him for not finishing it in time. It's tough. It's tough. I, I, the one the the word that comes to mind for Zip to me is decisive. I think he's been very decisive of when when he's open, he's gonna shoot that three. And if it's a good look, he's confident to shoot it. And that's why I think, like you said, it's a consistent. I mean, again, we're not going to balk at anybody going one for three from behind the arc. That's that's good for us. Uh, an interesting uh, move we saw. We talked about Flanagan's turnovers earlier because he was playing power forward. Johan, man, we just keep hoping he pulls something off. You don't have to talk about him very long, but the fact that they were so – like Jalen goes out five fouls, and they said, screw it. Chris Moore's not in there. Jalen's not in there. We're not putting Johan at the end of the game. We'd rather have Alan Flanagan in there at the end of the game. So that, that's brutal, and – it, it kind of shows that like, man, we are going to have to be on the watch that in a big game, Jalen Williams can absolutely not get five fouls. Well, unless Chris Moore is back, but um, I, it's not great. He's still, like I said, I'm going to keep harping on it. Cause I think people forget when he's, cause he's so invisible. It's like, he's not playing like, yeah, he is. He plays the same three to five minutes every half when Jalen gets his normal rest. Um, and honestly he he's okay but i've never it's weird you look back i think back the rest of the year i don't remember a time where he was just maybe he just hasn't had to throw it in as much from the baseline but man it was two just horrific ones and then uh he was about to have to do a third one and bruce was like no jalen had only been sitting for like a minute and he's like jalen get in there so you can throw just to throw the inbounds pass that that's a big concern um for him he needs to figure that out. I got Zip Jasper's career stats up. He's played college basketball for five seasons. Good for him. Do you think his 3% shooting this season is above average for the rest of his career, below average, or the same as average for the rest of his what is, career? What is his percentage this year? I can't tell you. Just what do you think? Oh, um, I don't know. For his career? For his career. With all the way back to College of Charleston yeah, for three or four years. I, I would guess... I don't know. I, the fact that you're asking makes me think it's under. I'm going to go under. It is under. You're right for asking. He's 40% his freshman year, 36%, then 34%, then 36%. I mean, he was above He was above 34% every time, but like above my, like 33% is my, are you good at, at 3%? He was above it the entire time. I was so excited for this year to get a couple more shots for him. 27% this year from three. That sucks. I mean, it kind of just shows that maybe it was a volume thing, you know, but just well, thought that was interesting that he's, he's dropped this year by 10 per, more than about 10% from last year when I kind of was like, damn, he's such an efficient shooter and he's still not shooting a ton of them, but well, he's shooting then, more you know. than last year though. He's shooting more threes than last year for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, let's say we talk about Cardwell. He got four points out there. I, I I enjoy his minutes, man. Every time he's out there, I enjoy it. I just have fun watching him play out there. His defense is so tenacious. It's fun to watch him get switched on to guards, and the guards think they got something, or he freaks them out. He's getting put back points. I would love to see him get something besides just put back points, but it's just not happening right now. It's fine. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm again glad he got more minutes. I thought the put he had a touch putback that was great, and he, he's doing his pointing thing. He's pointing at Bruce, and Bruce is pointing back at him. Apparently, I don't know. Um, we love the memes. We love anything we can get our our hands on when it comes to little funny things like that. And then he was wide open. Jalen hit a beautiful no look pass to him under the basket, wide open, and he got a dunk. So good to see him again. We want him to have those moments because we we think we we see how good he is and how valuable he is. Um, and again, I, I'm not trying to like put this in the universe. But there is a world like if Broom gets hurt, Cardwell is all of a sudden playing 30 minutes a game. And I think he's ready for that. I think he would our offense would change a little bit. Um, but he's a really valuable person to have. And I think on a game like tonight, it was good to see him play more. He forced Tolu into a turnover uh, one time, a, tra- a traveling violation. So he just does a lot of good things when he's on the floor. Let's let's meme something more fun into existence. I, I hope he keeps pointing at Bruce and Bruce keeps pointing at him. And we look up in the NCAA tournament at the magic moment, final four situation where they got the cheesy song and they're showing the slow motion and it's the lead eight and Cardwell's in there. Cause brooms got five fouls or something. And it's the end of the game and Wendell drives it. It doesn't quite go in, but Cardwell gets it and tips it back in. And that's to win the game when he's pointing at Bruce and Bruce is pointing at him. And we're just loving it. And that's, I hope we can meme that into existence. I hope we can, Let's manifest that into existence. We'll we'll clip this back out, you know, two months from now when that point actually matters. That would uh, be fun. I hope that happens. The next guy we could talk about is maybe a little disappointing. I got a little disappointed, but it's just freshman uh, tendencies here with Trey Donaldson. We've kind of seen some ups and downs with him. We've seen a larger guard, a more athletic guard uh, at point guard. It's been interesting. Tonight, the different defenses that Mississippi State threw at him, was a big deal. We could absolutely not get into our offense. It was really frustrating. Uh, if you want to talk about Trey at all. Well, the only thing about Trey, one of the times he was on the floor, it was Trey, KD, Leor, Johan, and Cardwell or Broom. And it was like, Trey's just, that's not giving Trey a lot of help of where to distribute the ball. Like, where are we getting shots from there? I thought he was fine. Again, Trey wasn't supposed to play. So like, just the fact that he is a serviceable backup point guard that takes pretty good care of the ball, no turnovers. Um, he had a really good assist to somebody. Like that's fine. He is a kind of a bulldog defensively. Um, I like the way he plays defense. He fits our mold there when uh, when he comes in for Wendell. So I, I I'm fine. He he's going to be quiet most nights in SEC play though. I, I just think he's ahead of schedule with how much he's playing. You, I think you know Ben's a big fan of of Trey, and, and we all are because he's just he's plugged a hole that we didn't know was going to exist. And yep. I'm hoping he's learning. I hope it's not just a plug by the end of the season that we can get. You know, we saw Javon McCormick in that Final Four run. We didn't. We were frustrated at times with with, with Javon. We were just holding our breath when Jared went out at times. And then the Final Four run during the NCAA tournament, he was thriving out there. You just hope that he can turn that corner a bit and that show us something special when we need it. Well, don't you think Trey's done that already? I, I, I yeah, feel like yeah. he's shown us multiple. He, he belongs on the court. He's earned his minutes. He kind of – he has given Bruce the luxury to not play Chance Westry. Um, and I think he's had a plenty of good moments that have I'm, – I'm, I'm, I think he is a player. I really do. I think we've got a good 
you, like you love these guys who you would think, hopefully, you never know with college basketball, but like seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be around. He's going to have to fight for playing time because Bruce loves recruiting those, you know, Aiden Holloway's coming in. There's always going to be good guys coming in, but I think Trey's a player. I'm going to get two players left. I'm going to leave the best for last. Let's talk Katie Johnson. He brought some interesting energy this game. There were some Hamburglar moments. There were some moments. He finished the ball and transitioned through contact at one point, which was just great to see. Uh, he had a three that's super frustrating to me. Some of this all comes down to what do I want for them to do? And it was like kind of in the second half and the game was a little tiltering. We weren't sure. And he hits a in your face three classic KD super fun when it goes in super frustrating. He doesn't. We also had a taketh and giveth moment with KD where he hit a three and then immediately fouled a three point shooter with like two seconds left in the shot clock. He gave him all three free throws. He made all three. And it was classic with KD giveth and taketh, with which most of the year so far he has taketh, which is not good. But at least we got giveth and taketh this game. Well, but yeah, but it felt like he was taking risks. He was forcing deflections. He was even the ones we didn't get. I felt like he was in on six or eight deflections, which that's the unique thing he brings. Um, and he only shot it five times. He only played seventeen minutes, by the way. Um, but I, I'm I'm okay with that from him. Um, he was really close. It, it actually felt like tonight he was close to like have, hitting a couple of those on a break or forcing another turnover that would have led to something potentially. I thought it maybe a sneaky, decent game from him. If you just look at the stat line, it doesn't look great. But we leave the best for last. What about uh, Wendell? Can, uh, can we talk about Wendell? You want to talk about Wendell more? Even after, yeah. Okay, that's fine. What, yeah. have, have we really mentioned anything about him? He we talked about the MVP, I thought, a little bit. But yeah, we could talk about Wendell. Just, just multiple threes. Um, Man, he was so quiet this game till the last four minutes. He really was. He hit a couple big shots at different times. But man, don't take for granted having a point guard that can go seven for seven from the line in closing time. If he could just not, I trust him. The two turnovers were pretty unacceptable by him for a veteran, like you said. Um, but man, it is it is really nice to have that guy at the end of a game when you're up, you know, when you're having to get the ball across. And I just think he continues to he's quieter this year. He's not as dominating on the ball. He's not jacking as many. He did have one that really ticked me off because he got mad. He didn't get a foul call and then took a logo three right after it and missed it at a really pivotal time. But I just wanted to give him a shout out. I think he is a steadying force, especially at the end of games. He had a great steal or two also this game. Four steals on the stat sheet. And he had a, he had a great like pocket picker too that really yep. led to straight up two points every time which were great to see him finish through the contact on a couple of those which in the past he's gotten blocked a couple of times and one in particular he had a steal and i i think the whole arena really wanted to see if he could actually dunk mm-hmm. the ball or not he lays it up which is a vet move and a good unselfish move honestly but i still would love to just be at practice and just i would love to know if he can really do it i think he could do it if he had the right amount of time but it's clearly not Good enough in the game to finish it off. All right, last guy. Last guy, Mazeltov to Lior Berman for getting three points in this game and getting a lot of minutes and finishing minutes also. He had a great silky little jump shot where he made the shot himself. Like he made the move to make the shot swish early in the game. Super fun. Also had a free throw at the end to make it three points. It's just always fun to see Lior Berman out there. He's just such a uh, underdog story a uh, non-scholarship walk-on guy. He's got this cool little community in the Jewish community where he's got this gold medal at the uh, Maccabee games. We've heard like how much the Israel community is like freaking out about him and how cool it is. So it's just fun to watch him get any minutes out there in SEC play. 
he is the backup small forward. I mean, he he is going to play every game until Chris Moore gets back. So again, luxury to have him off the bench. He, he played a good bit. And yeah, so bigger than his free throw was the rebound he got. He got a rebound and got fouled. That's what sent him to the line. And and I mean, he's not a huge dude. So, but so just to put it in perspective, Flanagan moved to the power forward. What are your options to bring in off the bench? It's either KD, which I thought they would put KD in because the two and three in this offense are virtually the same. So it would have been an easy move to to play KD and Zep together and Wendell. Um, went with Lior, and I think Lior is a little bigger, and I think Lior is just a really solid defender and knows he he just and that rebound he got was huge and a great shot. Not not yeah. the only one either. Not the only one. He had another great offensive rebound where we had just a crappy like late shot clock three pointer shot that just felt in a bad time. He went like hustled to that ball and got it. Sadly. We couldn't get our offense going again. It was really bad. I was just like, man, that's the kind of hustle you get out of some of these guys that are coming off the bench that value their playing time and know they're only going to have a certain amount of minutes. And you hope that Bruce isn't stealing them and it's clearly working with Lior, but you just frustrate we couldn't get a second good shot there. Uh, something interesting here, you always talk about, you've been talking about since the podcast began, the two and the three position are the same under Bruce. And maybe this is for my own, maybe this is for the fans, whatever. We clearly have a, a hard denominator that we almost never see Zepp and KD play at the same time. We almost never see Chris Moore and Allen playing and play at the same time. And part of that's because they need to rest and all that. But clearly, like, those guys are pretty hard. Like, these guys are the twos. These guys are the threes. We rarely see them put together. What what makes you always say they're the same? Just the positioning? Or it clearly is like the three guys are clearly stronger, bigger, the guys that can drive and the twos are clearly the guys that should be shooting threes. They're guarding the point guards at times while the threes aren't. You know. what, what I'm talking about is, is the structure of our offense, right? But the point guard has a clear role in our offense. The power forward has a very clear role in our offense. The five man has a very clear role in our offense. Most of our offense is going to be set with two guys on the wing each side, right? Um, most of our sets from what I've seen, are not all that different for the two and the three. We call the small guys twos because that's just what we've we do. And again, somebody can call me and say I'm wrong. I, I just I feel like I've heard this and I feel like I've uh threes, yeah, we're gonna call our threes big guys. The reason you see that structure is just because we have so many players like Chris Moore and Alan Flanagan and Leor are our threes or our wings. I, I don't even think they use the term two and three, by the way. Um wings. And we did see at times last year, the small lineup of, uh, I believe we saw Zepp, Wendell and KD last year at times. Uh, I see more often that our four and fives get transitioned than anything. We've seen small lineups where Jalen Williams is the mm -hmm. center and we yep. play Chris Moore and Flanagan and then Zepp and Wendell or something. We don't, we play our four and five more loose than I feel like we play our two or three. When again, it's not loose. It's, it's covering. Whenever that happens, it's because somebody's in foul trouble, someone's hurt, like Flanagan playing power forward, but not in the game plan tonight. Um, again, you forget these are college kids. They're 18 to 22-year-olds. You kind of want them to focus. You know, when you're on the floor, you're playing this role. Here's what you do in the offensive sets. You don't want to mix that up a lot, but obviously they trust the older guys, guys like Flanagan and Jalen. You always have emergency plans, right? Um, I, I just, again, I could be overshooting my expertise here i just have never really seen a huge difference in not not the size not the way they play 
but just the function in the offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, this is this is a fan podcast, guys. We have fun. We've been learning a lot over this last year together. Matt's clearly a little more knowledgeable than me on the, the basketball. We we we've interviewed all these coaches at times. We've we've passed coaches, current players, past players. We should have two coaches coming up on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Let's ask them. Let's ask two, three. Let's 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 see if we can maybe we can add into our questions a bit. We like to add. We try to think evergreen and think larger picture on some of these coach interviews and. Maybe, hey, we'll start adding in, like, let's learn something here. Yeah, we learn something every time, but we maybe learn some about their strategy here. I don't know if you want any other player stuff you want to talk about. I want to talk about 90s night briefly, if you didn't have any other players or stats you want to talk about. No, go for it. 90s nights, guys. We are going to start a campaign. We got to bring back the Tiger Stripe jerseys from the 1999 number one ranked team. I love them. The Chris Porter team with the little stripes they have several variations. Surprisingly, I looked at there's a guy named Clint Richardson, I believe, on Twitter. And he's kind of a uh, expert on Auburn uniforms. If you want to look up some Auburn uniforms, it's super old school. It's super vintage. Uh, fashion comes back around. I would just absolutely love next year. 90s night. Honor the 25th anniversary of, I believe it's the 1998-1999 number one ranked team that got on Sports Illustrated with the Tiger Stripe jerseys. Let's bring it back. Make it a campaign. We'll start posting about it on social media over the next year and asking coaches about it. I just, if we're going to do 90s tonight, you got to bring back the jersey. Yeah, no, I, I thought the night, I, have we done that before? That was a cool thing. They. Did you see on the scoreboard at Neville Arena they had the old logos for both Mississippi State and Auburn? Wow, yeah, no, I did. I, I feel like I'm. If you're not there, you're missing out. I was surprised that they had like a '90s shop. Apparently, Ben was saying his his sister was there, and they had a, a whole '90s oriented shop or whatever. I feel like they could have posted a little more on social media about this stuff. I know. I guess maybe a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast live in the area or live at least in the state of Alabama and know about this stuff. I, I don't see this stuff unless it's on social media, unless it's out there on Reddit or whatever. I'd love to see what they have for sale. I noticed the, the pullovers, the coaching staff and the players were wearing had this really great logo of the jump, what I call the jumping tiger. I think some people might call it the nineties tiger at this point, dribbling a basketball. And I thought that was genius. I have a jumping tiger hat i wear on this podcast a lot i think that pullover is great i'd love to have that pullover i think it stems from last year when everyone went absolutely nuts for the bucket hat and loved the tie-dye bucket hat. and they said let's do a 90s style bucket hat let's do a 90s night i just hope it's a, a thing they continue i hope they do themes like this all the time let's do themes let's do bobbleheads i know all this stuff costs money so that's why you don't do it all the time but i love this stuff yeah, I, I thought it was great. I love doing different things like that. I think there's, um, I like the jerseys too. I'm with you. I like the, I, 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 there was some, I mean, it didn't quite get to another sports level of talking about what might happen with uniforms, but there was some like people like, would they, would they do that for a basketball game? Like and surprise us. And obviously it didn't happen, but I love for this one, not for this one. I don't know if there's enough like hype to create like a secret. I think it'd be better. In fact, for like this, like I was surprised they didn't put it out there earlier. Like I would want the hype. I'm like, we're wearing that in a week. Get ready. We're doing the tiger stripe. We'll have it for sale that day, limited to like 500 jerseys or something. You better get it if you're going to get, you know, kind of some of that hype beast Supreme style stuff, but nineties night, cool idea. Keep doing it. Let's have a different decade every game. I don't know. I love a theme night. Neville Arena was great, man. It, it really was. I I still try to never take it for granted that that it's rocking and it's 
there was a little uh it was a little lethargic there in the second half at times when it kind of the, the the wheels were falling off a little bit but overall good crowd students were great um and i just it again like you said other than gonzaga all the other top teams with the home winning streaks have fallen and um it's to be in the sec as strong as it's been and again, like just to reinforce, you know, now we're three wins ahead of Tennessee for the last five years of basketball. And yet we have the most wins still. And we have a three game advantage over them. And that just that matters at a school like Auburn with the history we have for a five year stretch. And it's it's it matters. We should, after this week, have secured another top 25 ranking. In fact, we should be moving up probably. I don't know, maybe even into the top 20, which would be super fun. Yeah. I think we're at 21 right now. So. I think with some losses, we definitely should be in the top 20 now. That's great after we almost fell out. I mean, that was one of my stats from the preseason podcast and the SEC podcast that just stay in the top 25, stay as a top 25 program. So just, you know, don't value these things. I don't know. We want to talk about some SEC. I see you got 2023 SEC stats up. You want to look at some stat leaders? No, I, I was going to look up something earlier. We're going to go back to the, the regular. So just to throw out there this week, what's ahead? You're right, because now we're one week away from the program record. So if we can survive this next week, you would tie potentially the all-time cons- uh, consecutive AP poll appearances streak in Auburn basketball history. Do we have do we have the games pulled up? I'd love to know what games we have to pull off to break the record for top 25 in a row. Let me tell you. Um, well, to tie the record, we play at LSU on Wednesday, and we play at South Carolina on Saturday. Two road games. We know how tough the road games are. Um they're not terrible teams to have to play if you're looking on paper. Uh, LSU's one and four in league play. Um, South Carolina's one and three, but two road games this week. So we'll see. This might be the biggest test we're going to have for that kind of thing. And then to 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 break the record, so that's to tie the record, right? Yep. And to break the record, what's our next two after that? Let me look to make sure I'm not giving false information here. Um, it's home against AM, the plucky Texas AM Aggies, 4 0 in league they, play. I think they're the last team that beat us at home, right? They beat us two or three years ago at home, and it was a kind of an upset. You might be right. That, that might yeah. be it. So it would I hope be- I'm bringing this knowledge. What else do I bring to the show if I can't remember stuff like that? Uh, AM at home, which is shaping up, you know, especially if we win two this week. That's a huge game. And then at West Virginia for the SEC, Big 12. And, and West Virginia was winless in Big 12 play today when I saw them playing. All right, yeah. They, you, are you are you still thinking about going to that West Virginia game? Yeah, probably not. Ah, uh, if it was a bigger matchup, you might it's would have thought far. about. It. It's just so far. It's you far. looked at the. You love to drive long, though. <laughs> uh, I love to drive long if I can do lots of things along the way. And going to Morgantown, West Virginia, from now you don't want to look through the coal mines. You don't want to listen to uh, the West Virginia song over and over and over again. You could break a record like three thousand listens in a row or something. My my sister lives near like DC, and uh, I feel like I would also get a lot of flack for going to West Virginia if I didn't go to DC. So, well, let's see who else we. Uh, what other games we had here? We saw Kentucky. I think we talked about last podcast. Go down to South Carolina, which was interesting. They seem to be falling apart. They can't do anything. There's people with signs. There's asking John Calipari to leave. He's getting a little weird. Like things are there's like stories like you absolutely love to watch a team that's had a, a coach that's been rock silent you've seen other sports but as soon as the cracks start appearing all of a sudden the leaks from the media the leaks from the locker room the boosters want this to be, it everybody feels real solid when you have a great coach the minute the coach starts getting questioned 
the leaks start coming out, the donors start saying things. And all of a sudden you can't like, so Auburn's had its issues, not just basketball, but other sports too, of like leaks and we can't get anything right. It's because we don't have a coach that's just dominant. Like John Calipari has been at Kentucky. All of a sudden he starts losing. Everything comes out. So like they, they can't do anything. And then on top of that, they have to go on the road to Tennessee, number five, Tennessee. Oh my, they, they are looking to get absolutely embarrassed away at Tennessee. Wait, no. They pull the upset off. Kentucky pulls an upset off at Tennessee. Oh. Number 63, or they scored 63. Tennessee scored 56 in Knoxville. It's not a surprise. Just do you, do you watch college basketball? I'm telling you, if you think Kentucky's bad, have fun. Have fun when they're losing. We all hate Kentucky. They're not a bad basketball team. They have a lot of talent. They've been undercoached and underutilized. But if you're not... And look, Tennessee, I, I think it's I think they can be a bad basketball team, but have a lot of talent. So you have to take them seriously every yes. day. So anybody, you know, again, like if you think we're just going into rough with this Auburn team and like, oh, Kentucky, it's a it's an opportunity right now, it looks like potentially, but no, like that's not how that works. Tennessee, by the way, I think they're really good. How crazy is it, though, from what we've seen this year, that now Auburn and Tennessee, both 4-1 and one in the league, both 14-3 and three overall? That's insane. Because I think Tennessee has a lot of high-end potential and ability. And not that that record's bad. We have a really good record right now. But I just think that's wild that they're – and to lose – they and they still have that weakness where they just – they play that def- – they play great defense. And they, it just seems like they're vulnerable to those games where they score 50-something points at home to Kentucky after – you know what I mean? Like the Rick Barnes. 56 at home, man. Yeah. I mean, we have a bad offense, but if we scored 56 at home, I'd be crazy upset. So you just got to wonder what's going on there, Tennessee. That's Rick Barnes, though. And then we see what else we got here. Uh, we have to talk about it. Alabama is looking like an absolute juggernaut. I hate to give them any credit at all. Just absolutely killing it. I'm going to like, I'm going to throw up. If they get a number one rank, <laughs> it's possible. I think we need to look at what the AP top three is in front of them and be absolutely like for the first time ever be cheering for those teams in front of them. Cause I mean, we will have to look at their schedule or something, but they've already had a, a decent opponent or two in the sec and they scored 106 on LSU who scored 66. They won by 40 points. Absolutely ridiculous. They have what is Matt said in a text today, Jabari Smith 2.0 which is just absolutely insane, which I feel like we have to talk about at some point that like Jabari Smith was like a, a transcendental uh, talent for Auburn. I don't know if that's the right word, but transist, transistent talent. No, I'm still saying it wrong. He's he's an elite talent for Auburn that was a huge deal that we got him. Transcendent. and Transcendent. Sorry. I have to like start reading a dictionary or something. Transcendent talent for Auburn. And it's it feels like we're going to have to start pulling guys like that more often than not if we want to win the SEC because the SEC has gotten so talented that other teams are going to pull these guys if we don't pull them. Yes, I agree. Um, of course, you could argue, you know, we've won the SEC twice the last, what, five years, and the one time didn't have a lot of elite talent. Uh, last year we did with Jabari and Walker. Walker in the NBA is just tearing it up. It's, it's so good to see, but you're right. Like, And I think – I really think we know that, like, I don't know, I, I again, we'll see. But the class for the next cycle for Auburn looks really promising right now. We'll see how many guys we actually get. But we're we're playing in that, 
that pool. We're we're in the running for a lot of these top 40, top 50 players. Um, but as you've seen this year, lots of stuff can go uh, can go haywire with it, that. It, I think I've said the word frustrating more than I want to in my life. I feel like maybe next podcast I'll outlaw that word and find some synonyms for it or something. But it's just frustrating to see this program that Bruce has built and this fan base that is fully balled in and this culture we've we've gotten and we want to win in recruiting and we think that the best players should come here because we care more and because we play better and we have the history now. And then you see a player like what's his name at Alabama? What's his name? Miller mm-hmm. something. Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. And he goes there and he's amazing. It's like, how did how did Alabama pull Brandon Miller? Has Tennessee taking Julian Phillips away from us? How are these other teams pulling these elite talent? But this is the future of college basketball. It isn't half the time, it will not matter what your program's up to. As long as you're decent, if you have the right money with NIL, you're gonna get them. We already lost somebody like JD Davidson to Alabama last year when it's just an uncle situation. We don't know what happened there that we lost him when. Bruce has all the history with great point guards. Like it's just going to be that way. We just have to keep recruiting hard and we have to get these guys that are absolutely elite NBA talent. I think we can talk about like, we. I wanted to bring it up with coach Burgermaster. If you bring it with a lot of it, yeah, there's a kind of a stew we're going to have to build. And part of that stew is going to be getting an elite NBA style talent to go along with your transfers and to go along with your plucky guards. You have to kind of have that, I think to, from going forward in the SEC, you have to have at least one elite talent. We don't quite have that on this team. We'll see going forward. Like I don't, I just don't think the plucky teams are going to quite do it the way they used to in the SEC. Yeah, the league's better for sure. Um, but I also think you could say, well, haven't we had a track record of of having first round NBA picks on every team? Now, unless Flanagan, well, not this year, <laughs> unless Flanagan just takes off. Um, I, I don't see that this year, but. Again, I, I think I, that those are the years we've won the SEC, right? We've had Chumo Kiki was on the team that won the SEC. Then we also won the SEC tournament with them. Yep. And then 2019, 2020, that team was really peaking at the right time, in my opinion, with Isaac Okoro and Austin Wiley and Jay McCormick, Samir Dowdy, all those guys. We did win the SEC that year, but we were second in the SEC. And I think we could have peaked into the SEC tournament. I think we could have taken Kentucky down that year. So you just, you know, then Jabari winning the SEC. I think you kind of need that that guy that's better than everybody else out there. Yeah, I agree, but that's tough to get those guys. I think we need True. to. It's something we're going to have to focus on. And, and yeah. I think we are. I think it's obvious that um, that we are. And, you know, Johan and Chance were top 40, top 50 players. And I know maybe they're not that top five. I know you're talking about like elite, elite, elite. And that is the, the higher you get up there, the more you're playing in that I world. Think, I think we thought we might have had it which with uh, Johan or Chance. And maybe one of the two of those would do something. Or we might have would have had it with uh, – Julian Phillips, and we just got outbid on that. And that's just the future of college basketball. But to get off this, we could rant about this all day. I could talk about the future of college sports all day. But there were two other, I think, big uh, results here. Arkansas goes down in Nashville to Vandy. So watch out. Vandy 97, Arkansas 84. We could easily lose a Vandy too. We're going to have a huge Auburn contingent there. The Nashville Auburn Club really has got something going on. They got Bruce. They got people coming. They're doing a big... Uh, dinner check that out matt lives in nashville i love nashville used to live there was just there recently still thinking about coming down but probably not but that's a big result arkansas another loss for them i know they're missing players but you know still huge i think even missing those players people thought they'd be playing better than they are it's just it it's a cautionary tale i'm telling you if you don't respect this league arkansas is one in four 
I mean, I, I know they were down a couple guys, but when you have five or six NBA prospects on your team, you would think that you, you know, figure that out. So they're down. That That's a big result. And another thing we should talk about, Florida, just who we beat, they're three and two, kind of quietly. They're three and one since they lost to us. And then Georgia at three and one. So two teams that we've played, you know, looking maybe a little better than we thought, at least early in league play. Um, it still doesn't and, take the sting out of that Georgia loss. But And Florida beat number 20 Missouri. Yep. It, who's, it's good that went down because it gives us a, a nice win over Florida. But also Missouri was one of those teams. There's kind of been a little grouping there. Clearly Alabama, Tennessee have kind of gotten up above us a little bit. That feels like they're up there. And then it's us. And then there's a couple other teams that, either people are putting in the same pool as us or putting right below us. And it's like Texas A&M and Missouri, maybe Arkansas right now has kind of fallen into that same group. So it seems to be the more distance we can put in between us and Missouri and Arkansas and Texas A&M is good. So that's another big result. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about any of these other SEC games, any other things you want to talk about with that? Not really. Just uh, this is a big week. Okay. I'm really glad we got to four and one. Uh, especially after that Georgia loss. I think it's huge that we've we've managed to get to four and one. It's not the end of the world if we it's not the end of the world if we lose both road games this week. I think we I think we can reasonably hope for a split, you know, at LSU at South Carolina. Hopefully we can steal one of those. But man, I'm just saying, if if we win both and we're five in a row and we're coming home and we're finding our identity, you know, like you said, we're look, leaning looking more like we want to look. It's a big week, okay? It's either going to be kind of bring us back down to earth a little bit. I know LSU and South Carolina maybe aren't, you know, elite teams or they're not tournament teams, but we've seen it time and time again. Road games are hard. We've hard every every big... road game, every away game is an upset for us. And I know we've got we've turned the corner a bit, but keep that mentality, and you're going to have a lot more fun this season. I want to see who. So this week, during we'll just talk about during the week. Um, Tennessee travels to this Mississippi State team to Starkville on Tuesday, and Alabama travels to Vandy. So those are the two teams that we're kind of watching. Um, and then on Wednesday, yeah, I'll, I'll watch that Georgia at Kentucky after South Carolina, the worst team in the SEC to statistically beats Kentucky. So we'll see if there's a bit of a, a turn down from Kentucky, a bit of a letdown. Big games on Wednesday, our game against LSU. Florida travels to A&M to try to knock off the undefeated uh, in the SEC Aggies. And then Arkansas and Missouri, <laughs> both teams are losing records in the SEC. That'll be a uh, – right, a- right now it's a top 25 matchup, number 15 Arkansas and 20 Missouri. But we'll see if either of them are ranked in this next one. Arkansas has got this pole momentum that they're just like keep – they're like 15 right now still, which I felt like before this was already too high. They were above us after we beat them, which I know was at home. But – We'll see if they stay in the top 25 or if they have like a astronomical or asteroid like uh, falling out of the top 25. They've also lost their last three games. Auburn three in a row. All three by double row. digits. All by double digits. That's just how it is. I think people need to readjust their brain on what Arkansas is. That's what I wanted to bring up. I knew I wanted to bring up one more thing. Muscleman. He's got this narrative going in the national media that he does this, that he goes down early in the SEC, but he'll tinker around. He'll get going. He'll make another lead eight in a row. Once is, what do they they say? It, it, once is just, it happens. It's a fluke. Two in a row is a coincidence. Three is a trend. If they do this three times in a row, I'll admit it. 
oh, Musselman's got something going on where he tinkers at the beginning of the SEC play and figures it out by the end of the year and goes to the lead eight or whatever. Even if it goes Sweet 16 or whatever this year. I don't think they're pulling it off again this year. And I think it's just coincidence that they figured it out the last two years. I think there's a chance they'll fall apart just as much as they'll figure it out. Hope so. Uh, I don't think, to me personally, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's dangerous. I don't like that he's there. I think back-to-back Elite Eight speaks for itself as a program that's made two in our entire um, existence. Uh, Back-to-back Elite Eights means something. Tennessee hadn't been able to do that. Alabama hadn't been able to do that. Auburn hadn't been able to do that. Um, If if Texas can hire one guy away from the SEC, who are you picking? Well, that's the fascinating thing. So Texas and Kentucky, I know Kentucky, but like there's a lot of smoke. I know today might change it, but so both those jobs have national writers mentioning all three, Musselman, Pearl, and Nate Oates. No, Musselman, Calipari, Nate Oates, you said Pearl. Oh, Pearl, in both. Pearl? In both. That's crazy. I have read multiple things about the Kentucky potential opening and the Texas potential opening that mentioned Bruce Pearl. Is that lazy journalism? Probably. Yes. But <laughs> I look, I, you might be more confident. Well, I take, I take Louisville. I took Louisville more seriously than I take this, honestly. Well, in what way that you don't think? I think Bruce is just is absolutely locked in now that he's just like, this is where I plan to retire. This is where I plan to be a legend. This is where I plan to have a statue built. And he had his chance last year to decide that one or the other. I think there's there's always been a back fill or a back idea in your brain that could you do it in in Auburn? Can you do it at Auburn? Can you recruit the way you want to? Can you spend the money the way you want to? Can you make the elite fours? Can you have the number one classes, the number one? rankings and he's proven it every which way and i don't think there's a he's getting a little older now he's got his son i think we heard on a podcast i think this is another theory that maybe we could talk about as a fan podcast we've had stephen pearl on before and asked him what he wants out of his future he wants a head coach out of his future i think a lot of people expect him to go somewhere and then we hope maybe he'll come back same we talked about matt uh, burgermaster and planning in all these places like hopefully they go somewhere and they come back one day uh stephen pearl on a podcast recently I feel like he insinuated that he would love to stay at Auburn until his dad retires and then him take over. And a lot of programs would not like that, would not allow that, that that doesn't seem like a good hire. I think our program is one of the few that is like, yeah, if you want to keep coaching after your dad, because we have zero history and zero, we do not even, even in 10 years from now, I don't know if we'll still have the faith that we can pull another great coach. If he wants to stick around that long, great. I think we'll have an issue where Bruce, you know, I think there's a classic, the King, the Prince or whatever, that Bruce will stay longer than Steven's worth. Wait, that Steven won't want to wait around as long as Bruce wants to coach for. But, you know, that's just, I think he would, it, that could be an extra incentive that Auburn's yeah. like, hey, yeah. this is a place that's got a chance to do that. You want to go take a risk at Kentucky? You want to go to Kentucky or Texas and see what you have to, you have to rebuild or you have to, you know, maybe you do win a national championship. That's yeah, I, th- I think you can win one at Auburn, but maybe you win one easier at Kentucky, but you're also just as easily fired in two to three years. No, it's a good point. And that could easily play into some of the calculus there. I just, I, I have a healthy respect for those two universities and programs in terms of they, well, they think very highly of themselves, but I, I think we're good. I don't think we need to like worry about it, but I'd be lying if there wasn't like 5% of me that makes me a little nervous. I don't want Kentucky to even have that conversation because look, it is hard. So what's to your ultimate, it. what's your ultimate fantasy in this situation? That Bruce doesn't go anywhere. 
Well, no, not Bruce. Leave Bruce out of it. Clearly, you oh. don't want Bruce to go anywhere. What's your ultimate fantasy in the Texas opening situation? It's great. That this is even. I think it's a great situation for us. Honestly, could be. Uh, I would love Nate, Nate Oates going to Texas is my ideal. Okay, so you wouldn't you wouldn't want like a situation where Calipari leaves and someone goes. I guess no, he, I want Cal at Kentucky. Okay, but to say honestly, yeah, I wouldn't want Nate Oates or or Musselman at Kentucky because I think they've got that. I think they're on the upward trajectory of their their careers. And they have the hustle that on top of Kentucky's resources could actually make a difference. And Calipari's kind of been petering at this point and not bringing that same hustle level. So I, I think Oates and Musselman are great coaches and uh, great. Okay. Great. Might be a little, I think they're very, very good coaches and I don't like that they're at the schools they're at. And I hope that all those little things you mentioned, and there's other stuff we could talk about. I think Bruce is very comfortable in Auburn, Alabama. I think it fits what he's kind of, he's got a great situation. I hope I would love for either of those guys at Arkansas or Alabama to get picked off by a bigger school. Cause I'm just not sure. I, I mean, maybe Alabama can get a better coach than Nate Oates. I just, I'd like to see him try. I think I'm, I, I would be afraid if they targeted muscle men that Arkansas would pony up the money that uh, I, I do think it's ridiculous. Some Arkansas fans and it happens like this in every sport. They think they can compete with the, the, the elites when they've never competed with the elites in their entire history. But you know, it's a different day and age, SEC money and all. Like Arkansas might actually like break their athletic department to keep their basketball coach. On the other hand, Alabama, who does have a ton of money also, I could just see a situation where they're just like, eh, whatever. They just don't seem to care. Yeah, it'll be. And there's like a basketball stadium or arena thing going on with Alabama where like they were supposed to be building one, but now they're not. That could be a little weird. I could see a situation where they where they have the money and they're still just like, eh. Yeah. Hey, I don't, I don't know. Who I, don't know. I, I think Bruce and Auburn have really like uh, you. You can laugh if their you fans want. don't in the stadium at least, but maybe that's because they have a larger stadium and it's just harder to fill. I don't know. No, they just don't care as much because they. But but they care more because Auburn's good and because Auburn started this trend. And you can argue that all you want, but if, if I think Alabama fans would even uh, agree that that probably was the case. That the whole league got more serious right around when we got Bruce, which is kind of unfortunate, but it. Hopefully, so like, frustrated. Hopefully, I'm saying I'm gonna learn some synonyms for frustrated. Guarantee that, right? I'm gonna do a Char- Charles Barkley guarantee. I am gonna look up some synonyms for frustrating or frustrated, but so frustrated. Everybody started caring about the same time we started caring. Why can't we go back to when Florida and Kentucky dominated the league? Because absolutely everybody else was dog bad crap. <laughs> Why can't we be the Florida in this situation? <laughs> it's a great question, but uh, big week, big week ahead. Um, Thrilled to be four and one. I don't know about you. I think with this team and some of the issues we have, four and one, 14 and three overall is great. We're in good position. Let's go on the road this week and let's just keep. I love nobody really thinks Auburn's that good because maybe we're not. But you know what? If we're six and one at the end of next week, I'm going to really, at that point, we really start thinking like maybe we could just keep winning. You know, and see what happens. Momentum is a real thing in college sports. It's crazy how much momentum and having an identity of what you think. That's why I'm so funny about identity. If you have momentum and you have an idea of what you think you are as a team and you do that early in a game, you do that throughout a couple games, just changes the attitude, changes the game, less turnovers, more. It just creates a certain atmosphere. And I, I just, that's why I hope we have an identity at some point. As you said at the end of our group chat, I love winning. And I do too. Never get tired of winning SEC basketball games. We want to make the tournament. We want to keep that streak going. We want to be in it every year. We want to keep building the program. And winning is the best way 
to fight off all the things we have to fight off with recruiting and everything we've ranted about in this episode. So every win matters, and I'm thrilled that we got another one. All right, Matt. War Eagle. War Eagle.